Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Robert Schultz. He's the founder and president of Schultz Wealth. Uh, He's been named to the top 100 financial advisors in the country as a certified financial planner. He's come out with a new book called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Rob. Thanks, Jordan. It's good to be here. Just give us your history a little bit and how you got to writing this book. (laughs) Sure, you bet. I've been uh, doing financial planning for a long time now, about a quarter of a century. So over time, people come into my office, we talk about things, and as you keep doing it and doing it, the same questions keep coming up. Uh, I keep saying the same thing. So I thought that I would put together a book and just kind of talk about some of the things that usually come up during the financial planning process uh, while investing with, uh, with generally you know families and um, just put it in a way that people can read it and understand it, doesn't have all the jargon, just give you a good base knowledge to go forth with. So you talk about the chaotic money world. Specifically, what has happened this year uh, with the COVID and the pandemic uh, that has affected the money world in, in ways that really affect people's personal finances? Sure. I, you know, what has not happened? Uh, you know, I think all of us, 2020 is something we want to get behind us uh, because we've had massive moves in the market, really unprecedented with, with regard to the velocity that we've seen. Um, it's been scary. You know, I mean, certainly um, March 23rd, I can remember well, you know, I was scared. I think everybody was very concerned about, about what was going on. And then from going, you know, crashing down the way it did and then to, to accelerate and come back up the way it has, you know, granted, that's, that's not a, a broad recovery by any stretch, but, um, but it, it, it did come back. And, and now, you know, we have a presidential election. We have, you know, a lot of new Fed policies that are very interesting. We just have so much stuff going on um, that I think 2020 is, is one of those years you can look at and just say, wow, you know, what didn't happen this year? So how do you guide people who are scared and uncertain uh, to keep on their financial plan amidst all these uncertainties? Well, I think it comes down to planning. Uh, we've had real good luck uh, keeping our clients calm, not because of anything we've done in the moment, but because they all actually have a financial plan. They, they know uh, what it's going to take to get to where they need to be. And they know that, you know, what happens in one year, for instance, 2020, for the most part, is just a blip. Even when it's as extreme as we've seen, uh, it's just a blip. And, and when they really understand this and acknowledge it, uh, it's still not fun. Uh, but, but they're able, able to make better decisions. Specifically relating to budgeting, when your income is more uncertain, you may either be laid off or have fewer hours or your sales are down if you're a small business. How can you budget in such an uncertain uh, environment? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, certainly the, the pandemic has hit different people in different ways. Uh, some people are have, believe it or not, are having the best years they've ever had and others are out of jobs. Um, and of course, I've talked to people all the way across that gamut. 
And I've been amazed at the resilience of a lot of the people that I've talked to whose income is down or, you know, maybe temporarily don't have a job. And I think their resilience can, can be dialed into just one thing, that they have sufficient cash reserves, you know, to make it through short-term situations, you know, like three to six months. I think that cash is absolutely critical when things just come out of left field and just like this year did uh, and, and slap you right across the face. You have to have cash has to be ready, and it has to be something that, uh, that it's something that you're going to rely on in that situation. I mean, financial planners typically say you should have three to six months in cash reserves ready, but a lot of people just don't have extra savings. They're just living paycheck to paycheck, and they can't put that amount of money aside. What do people do in that circumstance? You know, I think it's tough. Um, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think that every experience I've ever been where um, where things got rough for, for Shelly and I, and I uh, cash was what kind of made it through for us. And when we didn't have cash, uh, I know that it was especially, especially painful. Um, so if you don't, if you don't have that cash now, you know, you're going to, you're probably going to have to rely on, on some type of credit. It's going to take a while to, to dig out of that. Uh, but you know, as Americans, I think one thing I have noticed is regardless of where people have been that I've talked to, uh, you know, they seem to be very, you know, you need to stay positive and hopeful. And I've seen a lot of that. And I've, I think that, um, you know, Looking at the situation um, is super important. Um, a lot of times what people will do, I've noticed as a financial planner, is they'll, they'll just they'll, they'll refuse to look at the situation. They'll, they'll refuse to objectively just see, okay, where am I and where am I wanting to go? What's the situation right now? Kind of uh, bury their heads, so to speak. And, you know, that's a huge mistake because, you know, every situation is different. But every situation, I believe, does have an answer. But in order to get that answer, you have to talk about it. You have to realize it. You have to, you have to plan. People don't want to look at bad news. They don't want to think about death. They don't want to think about losing their <laughs> jobs. Uh, they just don't want to deal with bad news in many cases. So you're the bearer of bad news, I guess. You have these meetings and you say, well, you've got to plan for your death. You've got to plan for losing your job. I, I guess that's not an easy position for you to be in. Yeah, Jordan, that's a that's a good point. I never had really thought of it that way, but we do we do talk a lot in doom and gloom around here, and uh, I think that the the way to do it effectively we we use humor, you know, where where we can. Uh, we try to keep things light and fun. Try not to scare people. I, you know, I hate it when people in my industry, you know, try to scare people into into doing something. Um, we just try to talk about it real objectively, and I think that that what happens is, and you can see it when you start talking through the situation for the first time. You know, a client, for instance, you can just kind of see this weight just come off of their shoulders because you know that's when you start being able to deal with it. And I I love that. I love that experience of of being able to talk through something hard. Granted, I will say sometimes it is a very very difficult. What are some ways to prepare your finances for the unexpected? Because we've had a lot of unexpected things this year. What are some ways to plan so you don't get ups- upset financially uh, by the unexpected? Sure. Um, 
Well, we've talked about it already. You know, cash is king. You know, making sure that you have adequate cash on hand. And along that same line, just kind of looking at your own personal balance sheet uh, and making sure that you don't have too much debt as well. Um, that would be the first thing. Secondly, I think you um, you need to understand insurance. Uh, you know, I, I hate talking about insurance. It's boring. Um, there's a whole chapter in the book on it. It honestly is the most boring thing to write ever, but it is so necessary that you understand insurance and you use it where it needs to be. Because some, some of the things that come out of left field that can, that can really hurt you are, you know, healthcare situations, death, disability, long-term care. Those are all things that, that you can use insurance effectively for. And, uh, and, and you, so you need to know how to do that. Um, so yeah, cash, trying to make sure that uh, you have adequate insurance, make sure that you have proper estate planning and that you have thought through uh, what it is that uh, you know needs to happen at your death or at your disability, for instance, or whatever it may be. And then business owners have a whole other gamut of things that they need to be dealing with from a buy-sell standpoint and what needs to happen with the business and so forth. Uh, so there's a lot of planning that can happen ahead of time before these things hit you uh, that can make it a lot easier to get through them. Do you think most people are underinsured or overinsured? And specifically, which kind? Life insurance, health insurance, where are they most overinsured and underinsured? Yeah, all I can really, I, I don't know in general, but I can tell you from the people that I talk to, um, very, very few, few people have disability income insurance. I think it's very important. So that I think that's somewhere where people are underinsured. Uh, life insurance, it depends. I, I think that uh, I think you have to go through a really good analysis uh, to really understand how much life insurance you need. Um, and I would say that for the most part, I think people under probably underinsured there. And then long-term care is a real tough deal. Long-term care insurance is very expensive. And, um, you know, that's something that you just have, have to objectively look at. And it just kind of depends. Some people need it and some people don't. It's gone up in, in, in cost dramatically as the uh, projections that they made were completely wrong. Uh, do you think it makes sense to do long-term care insurance even at the much higher premiums today? I think it can. Um, the The way we make that decision is through a plan. Uh, we'll try to basically fail a plan with different things that we'll throw in there, like additional health care costs or two years of long-term care at the end of life. And then we'll just try to see you know, whether the plan can handle it or not. And if it can't, then we, we suggest to the client uh, to look into long-term care. It depends on their age, depends on their health. But in, uh, in many cases, it does make sense. And life insurance, are you a bigger fan of term or cash value or some combination thereof? Again, it depends. Uh, I personally own permanent life insurance. It's a you know, variable policy. I love it. Uh, but in, in order to own a permanent life insurance policy, you have to treat it as an, as an ongoing uh, obligation to keep track of, and to take care of. And most people that buy permanent life insurance, they, they buy it and forget it, and it can turn into a real problem. Uh, term is easy, it's inexpensive. 
you know, if, if you're underinsured, just don't even think about it. Just go buy some term insurance, you know, and, uh, and so in many cases that, that makes the most sense. What is the problem with, with uh, whole life or permanent insurance? It becomes too costly. Is that what you're saying? I think the biggest problem is it's so complicated and people don't understand it. Uh, and they they have a hard time finding somebody that can that can help them understand what they have. Over and over, people come in with those policies, and you know their their agent has gotten out of the business a long time ago, and they're just really looking for somebody to tell them whether what they have makes sense or not. Uh, and so, obviously, there's a huge need for that. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz. He's the founder and president of Schultz Wealth. Uh, he's one of the top financial uh, planners in the country. His book is called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. And you can find out more about him and his books at SchultzWealth.com. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. With our crowd, accredited investors who have access can get easily into the most important IPOs early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies going IPO like Beyond Meat or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams and generally comprehensive vetting of the deals they decide to make part of their own portfolio. Since our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As you review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team. We can talk to you directly on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have had exits. Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Cyabra, uh, which is an, a, a, an artificially intelligence-enabled platform that uncovers online disinformation and deep fakes. As disinformation becomes increasingly threatening to global brands, media, and governments, Cyabra reports it's uniquely positioned to serve this potential $6.1 billion market. You can get an early on Cyabra and other unique opportunities at rcrowd.com slash answers. If you're interested in investing, you need to join rcrowd. The rcrowd account is free, so just go to ourcrow.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. 
But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz. He's the founder and president of Schultz Wealth and author of a new book called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. You can find out more at his website, SchultzWealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks, Jordan. Tell people what they can find at SchultzWealth.com. Sure. You know, on, on the website, of course, you can go on and you can purchase the book if you'd like. Uh, and then there's also a section that's uh, of blogs, blog posts. And that's where a lot of the information for the book came from is uh, just years and years of of just, you know, talking and writing about this stuff. Uh, so, um, so you can usually go in there and kind of search on a different topic and just kind of find my thoughts on, on, on things that, uh, that have to do with financial planning. Now you talk about teaching kids about children. What are some of the do's and don'ts of teaching your kids, uh, to have a wealth of financial knowledge? A lot of people, parents don't feel very comfortable talking about money to anybody, never mind their kids. How can they get over that? Yeah, Jordan, that's a huge issue. Um, as a matter of fact, I was I was having lunch with a fairly new client just this last week, and it came up, you know, just kids and his kids are, are adults, uh, young adults, and you know, one of the one of the problems with his financial plan is that he is continuing to support them and to provide them with money, and they're just not, as you could say, launching uh, as quickly as as he would have hoped. Um, and what was interesting is his answer to that was to was to do a bunch of estate work, you know, to create a will and make sure that, oh, my gosh, if something happens to uh, the two of us, that there's going to be a trustee in place that, you know, takes care of everything because, you know, my kids just aren't there. And so often I hear that as the answer when the real answer is we sh- really should be training our kids how to use money. And we shouldn't be starting when they're 25. We should be starting 
probably by the time they're 13 or 14, and definitely 16 when they start to get a car. Uh, when, when they start driving, that's a great opportunity to start teaching them about money. So I always recommend that, uh, that when you get to that point, have your kid make a budget. And that's the other way that people screw it up is they'll, they'll tell the kid, all right, here's 200 bucks a month. Go figure it out. Um, ask them how much they think they need. And you'll be shocked that they have absolutely no clue what anything costs, and they'll come back with a ridiculously low low number. And then you have a conversation with them about it. And uh, and then, you know, you you tell them what they're supposed to be using that money for, uh, and and then they go forth. But then, you know, if if your spouse is still giving them money for the same things, or if you just don't hold the line, then they don't learn those important uh, rules of money that – you know, when you go go below it on the, you know, going out to eat and that sort of thing at the beginning of the month, uh, you're you're not going to have any money at the end of the month, and that's something that's best that they learn while they're still under your roof and not not later on when it's much more difficult. So you're saying if you give them two hundred dollars a month or something, and midway through the month they've run out of money, don't give them any more. Is what you're saying? Yeah, you know, make them kind of feel the you know, the results of the decisions they made. <laughs> Lord knows we all get to feel that, don't we? Right. Uh, and and let, it, let them feel it now when it doesn't count for as much because, you know, later, you know, it gets a little tougher. Yeah. Let's talk about the stock market a little bit. Uh, we, we've had a tremendous economic downturn uh, because of the coronavirus, and it seems like the virus is getting worse right now. What is the case for investing in stocks when the economy seems to be getting weaker all the time? Yeah, sure. The the case for stocks always comes up, you know, when the market, you know, tanks like it's been doing here recently or, or earlier this year. Uh, I'll have to bring up another example. And I really think that investing properly is so counterintuitive uh, because I have I have a client who invests a pretty good amount uh, every single month, you know, and, and we we pull that money and we get it to work. Um, but every once in a while, they don't want us to pull that money, and it usually corresponds with a huge drop in the market or you know, something like what, for instance, we had last week. Uh, over the long term, what happens there is that there's not enough money for us to invest for that client when the price is actually lower. So you know, just reacting in a way that we – just makes sense to us. It's like, oh, I don't know what's going on, so I need to not invest right now. Sometimes over a long period of time can be to our detriment. So you're you're really a dollar cost averaging fan. Just keep investing no matter what the prices are. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's more complicated than that when you're doing it professionally like we do. But, you know, having that cash available to be able to take care of, you know, take advantage of opportunities uh, really helps us make sure that the portfolios are going to perform better than they would if we don't have that money at that crucial time. But then all of a sudden, you know, that money's coming in like crazy when the market's hot. Uh, you know, that, that just makes it harder. Uh, dollar cost averaging works, you know, trying not to guess what the market is going to do next works, trying, you know, we're so afraid of risk. We're all very risk averse. Uh, and so we we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Well, we really don't know what's going to happen next. And honestly, that 
that unknown factor is how we actually make market return in the stock market. You know, if, if there really were no unknowns about what was going to happen, then we wouldn't have market return. Yeah, it's, you're, you're getting paid for that uncertainty to some extent. Absolutely. You say often people, particularly retirement investing, investing for retirement, they were our own worst enemy. What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I wrote a chapter in the book called The Hardest Easy, and I, I, uh, I, I basically talked through a, a circus of a duck hunt I had with my son where, you know, we just kept screwing everything up. And I think that sometimes investing is the same way, just like that example I just gave you where, you know, we, it's so counterintuitive, you know, what we should be doing, and then we go do the wrong things. Uh, and we just seem to do this to ourselves over and over again as we're trying to, um, as we're trying to save for our retirement. Um, and what are some examples of that, of doing the wrong things over and over? Sure. Well, not having enough cash and then having to pull money out of a 401k uh, and, and pay all the, all the penalties and so forth on it. That, that's just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, you know, not having a plan not having a plan at all and having no idea how much you're supposed to be contributing. You're just contributing into the plan at whatever level you get your match at. And you've never really tried to figure out uh, how much that really should be. Um, people, when they leave their jobs, I think a lot of the, a lot of the mistakes have to do with that, that 401k balance. You know, they leave their jobs and they either leave that over at that, previous company and never look at it again and they have no idea how it's invested or what it's doing um, or you know they they roll it out into cash uh, to uh, to use uh, as they search for a new job for for instance or something like that because again they don't have enough cash to deal with that situation you talk about debt saying becoming debt free is not a goal in and of itself but you find a lot of people get 10 years from retirement uh, with no debt and also no savings, and that's not a good place to be. Is it better to have a little bit more debt and more savings? How do you do the balance between debt and savings as you approach retirement? Yeah, Jordan, you said balance, and a lot of what I talk about has to do with balance and not doing one thing or the other, but doing both or even three things at once. And again, a little counterintuitive because we know that, you know, if we want to accomplish a goal, we focus on it and we just focus on that one thing and solve that problem. But the problem is with financial planning is, you know, there's this time value of money component that you have to be able to work. You, you, you have to be saving at the same time as you're doing all these other things. So you're, you're saving cash, you're investing for retirement, you're paying down debt. You, know, you have to do it all at once. Um, and if you just focus on one of those things, then, then the others will become a huge problem for you at some point. The problem with savings is you earn nothing on it today. And the outlook is <laughs> you're going to earn zero for as far as the eye can see. So what can motivate people to put money aside on which they're going to earn nothing? Yeah, it is so hard right now to do that. Uh, but the interesting thing is uh, most of the people I talk to right now probably have too much cash on hand uh, because they're also concerned about where the market is. And, and you know, it's, they're very anxious about it. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think that uh, you just have to resign to the fact that there's going to be a certain amount of money that's going to be needed for something that you're not going to be able to make any money on and just probably just live with it. Uh, the rest of it certainly should be invested. And you know, you are in a dangerous place if you have a large amount of cash that you're relying on for long term and you don't have it properly invested. Indeed. All right, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz. He's the founder and president of Schultz Wealth, based in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, you can find out more about him at his website, schultzwealth.com. And his new book is called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz. He's the founder and president of Schultz Wealth, based in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, His website is schultzwealth.com, and you can find out more about his book, Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks, Jordan. Thinking of a chaotic world, we have an election tomorrow, actually. Yes, and, we do. Uh, what difference will it make to people's uh, money and, and portfolios and tax strategy? Uh, let, let's go one direction or the other. Let's say that Trump is reelected. Uh, what would make a difference from that compared to if Biden's elected? Well, I think, first of all, just the election itself just causes a lot of uneasiness with investors, um, whether whether it should or not, it just does. And, um, you know, we go back and we look at and try to figure out, you know, whether, like, for instance, a Democrat or Republican is, is good for the stock market. And there's no 
there's no clear answer that one or the other is good for the stock market. Um, what is interesting is that you do see a correlation between uh, better than average returns in the year after an election than you do otherwise. So, um, you know, if, if you wanted to bet on it, you know, maybe that's a good way to go, Or there, although I wouldn't. Um, I would think that, uh, you know, you just kind of need to, need to hold, hold the course. Um, but, Could this year but, be yeah. different since we have this virus that's not calming down? It's getting stronger and more widespread all the time. How would that impact the outlook for 2021 if, if the virus continues at current levels or even goes higher? Oh, sure. No, definitely there needs to be, you know, something needs to happen. Uh, and the market has made it really clear that they they want to see see something happen, you know, with regard to pro- providing some relief, you know, for people again. Um, and either way, whether, you know, whether either candidate wins, I would say that uh, that something does need to happen and probably will either way. Uh, it's just that right now, with the uh, with the election being when it is, you know they weren't able to come up with with any any kind of right answer with that that regard. What do you think would be the right kind of stimulus for them to pass? Well, you know I'm I'm not a political expert, but it seems to, it needs to be something that certainly makes the market more comfortable uh, with you know with the economy as a whole. Uh, and you know something similar to what what was provided you know initially uh, could could be something in the right direction. I was impressed with uh, with the response, especially from the Fed uh, when when all this came about. They were very, very fast about it. And I think that is what helped us accelerate back out of those lows as fast as we did. And you know, it's probably some of what we've seen here recently in the last last week or or two uh, has to do with you know the market seeing Wall Street seeing that you know here we are again back in Washington where things things happen a little bit too slow, and um, so I would like to see the pace kind of pick up with regard to you know providing whatever it may be something that that helps Americans and uh, and helps make sure that that we don't lose any more. Um, great corporations either. So let's talk about the Fed for a little bit. So the Fed has brought interest rates down to zero. Um, Overseas, particularly in Europe, you literally have negative interest rates. You've had that for almost three years now. Um, Is this a sign, normally think low interest rates would be great for the economy, or is this a sign of deflation that should worry people that interest rates are so low and in fact negative? Yeah, you know, interest rates being at zero is just it just seems crazy. And then you look at negative interest rates overseas, and that's that's even crazier. Uh, it hurts your brain to try to try to think through that. Um, so, so at zero, I'm not as concerned about uh, deflation as you know. Believe it or not, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about inflation. Uh, because at the same time that the Fed has said that they're going to keep these rates low, they've also kind of taken their hands off with regard to inflation and said, you know, we'll kind of let it let it run. We're looking at two percent not as a cap, but more as kind of a, a an average. And so that's that's what scares me a little bit as a money manager because we've talked about the stock market, but another big part of investing is the bond market. And we talked about it a little bit because we talked about you know cash, but you know kind of in between stocks and cash 
or bonds or CDs and things like that. And, you know, for, for most people, you've heard of the 60-40 portfolio, the average portfolio. Well, 40% of their portfolio is in bonds. And, you know, at 0% return, okay, or near 0% return, and inflation rising over time, you know, that, that means those, those bonds are not, that bond part of your portfolio is doing absolutely nothing for you. And so I think that what you're seeing is, you know, the, the average portfolio that a, an investment advisor tries to use with their clients is starting to look kind of broken. And um, so we're all trying to scramble around and figure out what to do. So what would you do with that 40% of the portfolio that would normally be in bonds, whether treasuries, corporates, or municipals? Well, the first thing is, like I've said over and over and over again today, is you know cash. You know, you're just going to have to live with the fact that you're going to need some cash that's not going to make any money at all. And the whole purpose of that cash is to protect your portfolio so that you don't have to go and liquidate your stock positions when they potentially could, would be down. Um, and then in between, a lot of people are using different things. Uh, we're, we're using protection. We're actually using uh, uh, buffered ETFs, which is, which is a pretty complex strategy. But what it does is, is it allows you potentially to have some market return up to a cap. But then on the downside, you have a buffer. So you have some protection on the downside, say 9% down, 15% down, something like that. And then we kind of are trying to use that as a middle ground, as, as kind of a safety valve in between the stocks and the cash. What are some of the names of some of these buffered ETFs if people want to look into that? Maybe they're stock symbols. Yeah. Um, the one we use is through Innovator. Uh, and the symbols, they come out, come out every month. So, so the symbols change a lot. Uh, but the the main buffer is is the just usually B is in Bravo, followed by the month like B S E P for the September issue of that buffer. And they last uh, for a year or a month. How long do these things last? The ones we use last for a year, and yeah, they're they're usually a year long. You can also you know use structured notes in the same way. Uh, those are usually I issued by the investment banks, and they're a little bit longer. They'll go out sometimes, you know, three years. This is like an S&P 500 index that gives you some upside, but it gives you some downside protection. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be options-based. So it'll have, you know, one option in there that's going to mimic the S&P 500 or whatever index you want. And then it's going to have another another option in there that's going to create the cap, basically sell off above a certain certain return level to then buy the protection on the downside. And then it's wrapped in an ETF or exchange traded fund. Uh, and so then you get a daily valuation and liquidity. What do you think of index uh, annuities and index universal life insurance that have uh in, uh, you know, some downside protection, but you participate on the upside. Yeah, um, I think a lot of advisors are going to that. Uh, we we prefer going, you know, direct and kind of um, getting the the insurance company out of the middle because there can be a lot of costs associated with that. Basically, what we're using in this ETF is what the insurance companies use to protect them when they provide those types of products. So what do you think is the long-term trend in tax rates? In general, last few years, taxes have been coming down. 
Uh, we've got the lowest corporate rate we've had in a long time. Uh, individual rates are relatively low. The capital gains is tapped at uh, 20%. Uh, Biden is talking about uh, eliminating the differential between capital gains rates and regular income rates. What, what do you think is the outlook for tax rates going forward? Sure. I, I think taxes are going up. I think that they they kind of need to. Uh, we, um, you know, just we need to probably be paying a little bit more in tax at certain certain levels, at least of the economy uh, or, or of individuals. Um, so I would expect it to go up, you know, plain and simple. Uh, and does I don't think it really matters who gets elected. I think that we're going to see over the long term, we're going to see taxes come up. And that needs to be taken into account when you're putting together your, you know, your financial plan. So um, what are some specific things you should do? Assuming tax rates are going up, what are some things you should do now to prepare for that? Sure. You know, one thing you need to be asking is, do I really want to defer taxation into the future or not? And we help people figure that out when we do a plan with them. Sometimes we'll run a plan, and even at today's tax rates, they've been so good at saving that they're going to have a higher tax rate in retirement than they have, you know, currently living, you know, working rather. And and that's something that you can protect or, or change by using, for instance, Roth conversions or uh, just not deferring all of your investments, but rather just having a plain old investment account that uh, that you know has taxation to it kind of as you go, so to speak. What would be the impact on the market if there was no more capital gains differential, if you paid regular income rates on all capital gains? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Um, all, all I could really think of from that standpoint is, you know, whatever the differential is between, for instance, my average client's, um, you know, income tax rate, and the capital gains tax rate, uh, you know, they more often than not they'd end up paying a little bit more tax, um, but not a whole lot more. Um, so it's it's hard to say. You know, we had some other interesting things, like for instance, when you know they they changed up the standard deduction that um, we thought that nobody was going to donate to charity anymore, for instance, or you know when they capped the um, the property tax levels that you could deduct, we thought nobody was going to um, you know, ever buy a house again. Um, sometimes I think that uh, that we think that people's behavior is more tax motivated than it really is. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. But I do expect that whatever tax changes we see, they're not going to hit us right square in the face with it. I think it's going to be on the periphery. Uh, they faced gonna, it over time, you're saying. What's that? It would be phased it over time. It wouldn't be an immediate hit. Well, phased over time, but then also kind of hitting you in different areas where you maybe don't see it coming. Like, for instance, Medicare, you know, high earners, people that have a high income or tax level in, uh, in retirement, well, you know, they pay a lot more for Medicare, for instance. You know, that's a tax in my mind. Yeah, very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz, founder and president of Schultz Wealth, based in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, his book is called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World, and his website, SchultzWealth.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Rob Schultz. He's the president and chief executive officer of Schultz Wealth, based in Mansfield, Texas. His book is called Thoughts on Things Financial, Your Guide to a chaotic money world, his website, SchultzWealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks, Jordan. So let's do a little estate planning here. Uh, you say it's important to have a letter to heirs, which people tend not to talk about. Is this kind of where you sit down reading the will and and the lawyer says who gets what? I mean, tell us what the letter, of, letter to heirs is all about. Sure, you bet. Um, this is a really popular topic when we start talking about estate planning with our clients, and I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, people misunderstand sometimes what a will really is and what it does. And generally, a, a will is going to help you pass, let's call it the big stuff, okay, like your house, your assets, things like that. Um, it's not going to get down into specifics about, you know, grandmother's rocking chair or who gets what jewelry and, and things like that. And so a lot of times that gets missed. And so what I recommend to clients that they do is after they've gone through all their estate planning, I, I recommend that they write a letter to their heirs. And it's a really hard letter to write. Um, every time I do it, I get a little emotional because, you know, you're thinking about it as if you're dead. It's kind of kind of hard to do. Um, but in this letter, you're just trying to provide some guidance and some help. Um, some of the things that you can do is like just talk specifically about, you know, what it is that some they need to do like to wrap up your business and who can be trusted and who 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 they should look to for health help um also you know about the service about pallbearers who should be notified you know a lot of times there's a lot of stress when somebody dies trying to find old friends that maybe you know really need to know but you, you know you just have a hard time knowing where they are so this this helps them from that standpoint as well the other thing is an obituary Another very stressful thing for uh, your heirs to write after you've passed, and they don't know all the stuff off the top of their head like you do that probably needs to be in there, so you can provide them with some guidance. Um, there's just stuff like that, that that never gets dealt with within the true official estate documents that you can just write out and sign. It's not legal or anything. It's just guidance and help, and uh, a letter like that 
can just help tremendously uh, when your family's trying to trying to deal with these things. Should you put some surprises in there, both positive and negative? You know, this person gets more, and this cousin I always hated, and you get nothing, and things like that. Is that part of what you should be doing? I wouldn't think so. I, I would think that uh, you know you want to want to keep things. You know, I I don't think that'd be a very good idea. You, you know, surprises are never a good thing when it comes to estate planning, in my opinion. You never just want to throw something on on people. You know, if you're planning and and doing it right, remember you're educating your kids how to how to save and invest, and you're talking with people about this stuff. You know, communication is key while you're living so that when you die and all this stuff happens, you know, there's no big surprise. It's just going along as 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 the plan planned it out. Yeah. Uh, as far as picking a financial advisor, one of your chapters is called Who's Who in the Zoo? Um, so there's a lot of different people doing financial advice. There are people who get commissions. There are people who get um, management fees. Uh, what, how did you pick the financial advisor? And say you don't have a huge amount of money, and you you, you can't really afford uh, you know a, a big asset management fee. How could people get good financial advice today? A lot of younger people just go to robo advisors and they just do it all online with artificial intelligence. How should people pick good financial advisors today? Yeah, you bet. Um, it's so confusing. That's why I wrote the chapter is because everybody just gets very confused about, you know, who's in, who in the zoo, so to speak. Um, so in the chapter, I just try to identify, help help you understand, you know, the, the different roles that different people have. Um, and, and that is where it really comes down. You know, obviously, you know, if you have uh, a good amount of assets and so forth. And I think everybody's gotten to the point where they realize they need to actually pay somebody for advice, meaning that you've got a fiduciary advisor who's you know not working off commission, that they pay either a, a percentage of, of assets to manage the money or they're, they're paying a financial planning fee. Uh, what people may not realize is that, you know, that has come down and down market uh, to uh, to be more and more affordable to more people uh, through different things like XY planning and just just financial planners that have decided that that's the way they want to work and you'd be surprised you know uh, that, that you may be able to find that fiduciary level advice at a much lower level than uh, than maybe you thought um, also Jordan you brought up you know a great point the new technology the, the betterments and so forth of the yeah. world Right. Yeah, robo advice. Um, the technology is amazing. Like for instance, you know, we we clear through TD Ameritrade for most of our accounts, but we have a relationship with uh, with Betterment, and we love it because you know we can actually bring and help a client at a much lower level than we used to be, and that's what we want to do. Uh, and and put them within that betterment realm. They're in our our investments, for instance. You know, we'll we can actually uh, provide the portfolio for them. But more importantly, we can help them get through it. Uh, because what we found is, you know, most people just are so confused by all the jargon and you know just trying to trying to make a decision without help is so difficult. Uh, so we just we can provide them with some guidance and, and get them into the right portfolio uh, with, for instance, a betterment, which I think is a which is a great option and uh, and definitely worthwhile. One thing you think is not very well uh, appreciated is the time value of money. So maybe just talk a little bit about the time value of money and how money can compound both for you if it's compounding, 
or against you if you're paying interest on a, a credit card or some kind of debt. Oh, for sure. And, you know, as we get older, we start to realize these things, right? Uh, that, uh, you know, you get in, I'm in my 50s. You know, if I started now, there's absolutely no way I can have, you know, really what I what I could have if I if I started early. Uh, so it's super important that you get started, and that's the hardest part. That's why I always tell people, you know, you've, you've got to start. And you start low, and then what happens with time value of money is it tricks you in the first part, you know, because nothing really happens. You know, you've got these small amounts of money going in, and, you know, it just still always it feels like a small amount of money, even like a few years later. Uh, and you get tricked into thinking that it's not important at that level, but it is. Because it had to start and it had to go through those beginning stages. And then it starts to double on itself and really grow at a faster clip the further down the road you get. But if a few years down, you don't, you know, you don't recognize how important it is and you cash it out to do this or that or whatever, then you're starting at zero again. And um, I just see that over and over. And uh, I, I just really encourage people to understand that. They have to start and they have to keep at it in order for it to work. Since we have such low interest rates, people who have accumulated some good amount of money through time value of money, where can they invest today purely for income with keeping their, their principal relatively stable since CDs and money market funds are pretty much zero and long bonds are 1% or less? What are some alternative investments for people to produce uh, income to live on? Income's tough. You know, in my world, income is really, really tough. It's something that, uh, that frankly, has gone away uh, with, with interest rates going so low. Some people will chase some dividend stocks, but that's not the same thing. You know, it's still a stock that moves around. Um, and I think the first thing you need to do is ask why. Why are you looking for income? Uh, and a lot of times people are looking for income because they're in retirement and they're going to draw down on their portfolio. Um, but you know, modern advisors don't don't necessarily provide the income in the same way that they used to. Uh, we used to do it by laddering out some some bonds and then just having that steady income drop in. But that was back when bond rates, you know, uh, were much higher. Uh, now, uh, what we do is we just manage the portfolio towards that income that the client receives, but it's really not income. It's a it's a combination of of different different types of return that the the market is providing. Yeah, very good. Well, we've got a lot of good ideas this hour. My guest has been Rob Schultz. Uh, his website again is SchultzWealth.com, and you can find a lot of this and much more at his book called Thoughts on Things Financial. Your Guide to a Chaotic Money World. I think we've given people a lot of very helpful advice. So thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Rob. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.